welcome to Storybook the Podcast with Heidi Spear and Friends. Today I sat down with my cup of tea and Vicki Baird, a friend of mine who's an intuitive and a life coach. She talks to us about the shift that happened in her life after her husband passed and ways that we can develop our intuition, our first sense. I hope you enjoy this talk with Vicki. Vicki, I'm so happy you're here with us. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your work? I would love to. Thank, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm so excited about it. Um, genuinely excited because I know you to be a great storyteller. So, and who doesn't want to be read to or spoken to? You know, it's, I think, I feel like it, it, it connects to the, the child that's in all of us that, that wants to be nurtured in that way. So I am Vicki Baird, uh, intuitive life and development coach. And I've been doing this work for 19 years now, which blows my mind away a little bit. Um, and the, the premise of my work is really to help other people recognize their own intuitive abilities, to not be afraid of it, to know that it's innate. It is our first sense. It's the first thing we come into the world with and that it enhances the rest of our life. So doing readings and coaching and uh, podcasting and all that kind of stuff is, is how I bring that to the world. I love that. That's, you know, and I am so glad about the first time I met you, the first time I met you, someone gave a session with you as a gift to me because I actually was a little unsure about what intuition was. And I was unsure about how I could be more aware of that in my own life. So it actually was a gift that someone said, you really, really need to talk with Vicki and have a conversation with her. And it just was one of the best presents of my whole life. I'm, I'm so glad to know you. And so for this storytelling, I would the first story I would love to have you talk to us about is, again, was there a time in your life where some shift happened that changed the course of your life in a way that really made a big impact on what you're doing today and how, how you're showing up in the working world and for us today? I, well, I think that's been the constant journey of my life. <laughs> it's just like everybody else. There's, a, there's many shifts. There's many changes. The one that I feel is probably most impactful is I was already doing readings and coaching for probably 12 years now. It gets, years get fuzzy for me. And I had a vision and a knowing, I think the knowing for me is much more solid than the vision. I get lovely movies, but the knowing is the part that I trust the most. And I had a knowing that my husband was going to pass. And at the time he was 46, no indication of health issues. And I felt like it was something significant enough I had to listen to. I have a good track record. <laughs> so I felt like, but I didn't share that with them. Who's going to tell the, you know, their partner that, hey, by the way, you're going to croak soon. Uh, so I kept it to myself and did a lot of processing around that because sometimes the, the idea or the sense that someone is passing could mean that they have a significant change coming up in their life that maybe some of the habits they've been participating in are shifting. And at the time, that was actually true because we had a store, we had a center. You know, there was a lot that was shifting in our lives. Our, our youngest was 
getting ready to fly the coop. And, you know, so there was a lot shifting and I kind of poo-pooed it. So just to interrupt just for one second here to think about that moment. So what you're sharing is that you had a knowing and the Mm -hmm. knowing was that your husband was going to pass Mm -hmm. and that as you had that knowing, you also had an awareness that it might mean, like you said, as death can mean, I think when you people pick like tarot cards or other things, it can also just mean big shift, big change, all of those things. So it sounds to me like even even though you're expert in this and you do coaching in this and this is what you do, you have that awareness too, that it could mean this or it could mean that. And you were pretty sure it meant he was going to pass, but you also just were open to noticing there were a lot of big shifts in your life. And I do remember that time when you had that store, I bought things there <laughs> and then you didn't have that store. I also, well, taught, I think in your store and in your space, I taught some classes. You did. You I had did. a really good time there. So I, I am aware there were humongous shifts going on, but am I hearing you right that? So even though you have this, very strong connection to your intuition. You're also aware, well, it could kind of mean that, it could mean that. And sometimes you're waiting for a little bit of confirmation. I, oh, I definitely wait for the confirmation. I was the biggest skeptic about intuition, psychic abilities, anything in the beginning of this. I didn't believe in any of this stuff, which is how you know the universe has a sense of humor. So, (laughs) because it's like, let's pick the one who doubts it the most and let's have this be her life going down the road and let's have her teach this so that she can, which is why I love a good skeptic. I love someone who says, I don't believe in this. And I'm like, oh, I have been there. And let me tell you, it's a lot more fun to believe in it. Um, You don't have to hang a shingle out. You can believe in your own intuitive abilities and not become a professional intuitive. But yes, I mean, there was an actual moment where I went to the kitchen to get something and I, and when somebody's passing, I have an overwhelming sense that they're no longer here physically. And I often get this a few months before they pass. So it's not my favorite part of my ability, um, but it's, it does help me to prepare. It helps me to support maybe the loved ones that I don't tell them, you know, but um, it helps me. So I had this sense, and this is where intuition can be hysterical if you have a good sense of humor. I had this knowing, I had a feeling. He, I was in the house, just the dog, the cat, and myself, um, and he had passed. And then when I walked back in the living room, of course, he was still sitting in the chair. Right? I jumped out of my stinking skin because, and because he was used to living with me, he, he actually asked me, what'd you do, see a dead person? And I'm like, in a manner of speaking, yes, I did. Um, and, and would and you then, say that that that's something that other people start to feel too, potentially, as they go deeper into tapping into their own intuition? That do. feeling of being in different times at the same time. Yeah, and, and some people will you know, say deja vu or this feels very familiar. How do I know that person? Not really sure how I know that person. It's all merging the soul self with the human self, which is why I say your first sense, because that's what you came in with intuitively. You were naked. You had no teeth. And yet you trusted that we'd be okay. If that's not intuitive ability, (laughs) I don't know what is. And then the five senses, we need them. They're fantastic. Um, And I truly believe that when we merge them, we, we really live our best lives. Uh, But yes, and that's what scares people sometimes is that, well, if I develop it, I'm going to see dead people. Well, not necessarily. You know, I truly believe that that's a wiring that all of us can connect to those who have passed that we love. 
So you're not necessarily going to be walking around the grocery store seeing everybody's loved ones, which by the way, everybody brings their loved ones to the grocery stores. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that I feel like some, this is part of what I love teaching is let's relax about this. Let's get some tools, learn what it is so that if you educate yourself, you're not afraid, you know? So uh, one of the, I just said this last week to a client that, um, are you in fear or are you informed? Which one is it? I said, I feel like you're in fear. And then we both went, that's a really good line. <laughs> you, yeah, you come up with really good lines during your coaching sessions, Vicki. You just, yeah. you come up with them. And, and I think that's, for me, I think that's one of the fun things it seems like about your coaching, that not only are you helping people, but then you come up with these great one-lines that are like marketing sound bites. They are, and I, I do love words, so that helps, but that's the intuitive part. You know, that's the knowing soul giving me the little uh, heads up. But this process of feeling like he was going to pass, now this could also mean that we were going through a divorce because they were, you, you're not with somebody 29 years without thinking, dude, you might be on your way out here <laughs> um, at some point and vice versa, right? So he, so it could have been that as well. And I really believe when you have, when you embrace your intuitive and abilities and you ground them in practicality, you stay balanced. You don't become you know, I, I usually say you don't fry your motherboard. You know, because What does that mean, grounds and practicality? Well, it, it, it's that you take into consideration what's going on in a human experience. So like we were talking about, it could, could be divorce. It could be that he was shifting. Um, it, it could be that he was passing. So I think when you're grounded in the practicality, you take into consideration that there are other variables here and you look at them and you consider, and I feel like you still run that by your intuitive sense to say, does that feel right? Does that seem right? Um, and I just, I think the more information we have, the better prepared we are for this life. And the, I know that the more grounded we are, the more we appreciate this human experience the more we can connect with spirit, but the more we can allow ourselves to expand. When you're ungrounded, you, you just can't get the, the magic of it all because you just become loop-de-loop, -loop, quite frankly. So. You know, I noticed that with myself, there was a time where I was very ungrounded, but not, I don't, it wasn't that I was, tapped into intuition, I was just sort of really heady, like in academia and just, uh, I was in past authors, you know, I, I was so into Shakespeare and old uh, former uh, Italian, right? Like a long time ago, people, <laughs> people who were living a long time ago. And I, and I was into art and, and things where I felt like I, I definitely, as people will say, which I didn't understand at the time at all, not in my body. Like I just, I was so in these books and in other places really. And I didn't understand what that meant. And so I guess my point is I started to lose the sense of magic of being alive. I was enjoying the magic of writing and words and art. I wasn't, I wasn't losing magic, but I was losing a lot of other things. So without going off in that tangent, 
I just want to agree with you because I feel like sometimes I use the word grounded or you use the word grounded and you defined it right now as you mean it. But again, I think some people listening to this podcast, even though I'm not sure who will listen, just that, that term doesn't even make sense. I mean, now that you juxtapose it with loop-de-loop and like you defined it well, but not, not all the time do people define it. So I just want to say that grounded, being aware of my physical body, being aware of my physical senses, like you just said, this could sound ironic or it could sound paradoxical, helps me understand my intuition more, helps me understand the magic of being alive because I'm more present to the physical things that are actually going on in my life. So I just wanted to expand on that, clarify on that, because like you said, you were once a big skeptic and now you are incredible at what you do as an intuitive. And I was once what you would call not ungrounded because I was quote unquote woo woo, another term I didn't know. I was ungrounded just because I just was not in my body or aware of my body or, or anything like that. For me, it was so academic. So that's why I wanted to go off on that tangent. Does that make sense with what you're saying about grounded? Am I, am I hitting that right? Absolutely, because there are so many things that, and ways that people can uh, live ungrounded. And it may be that there's a shock that happens and you become ungrounded. Not that you necessarily live there. It can be that you know something surprises you if on either side. It can be a, a good one or a holy mackerel, what am I going to do with this one? Uh, and there are, I, I think when people are grounded, they're using all of their facilities. They're, they're using all of the facilities, faculties, hello. We're using all of them where you are blending this soul self with the human self and having humor when you pick the wrong word and, and all of this, because that's the combo, right? We are a soul. We are a human self. They're meant to work in tandem. So the more grounded you are, you get the information from both. And, and for, it's a big word in self-help and in, in yoga and meditation to be grounded, but it's defined differently for everyone. So I find if someone is grounded, they have focus. And, and that doesn't mean like, you know, it can be on task for 12 hours. They, you know, when you're talking to them, that they're there. And the more technology we use, the more ungrounded we get. So, you know, to, to balance that with walks in nature and making sure you're drinking water, and friend conversation with friends and, you know, stuff like that. It simply means to be present, I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And not always easily attained because there is so much going on. So an intention with it goes a long way. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying is you were starting to say that as you were talking about knowing that your husband was passing, that you were staying grounded in that knowing as you were having that awareness or that knowing. Yeah. Well, I think there was some denial going on as well uh, in okay, well, it's probably these other things because there's nothing really pertinent here. There's nothing showing up. And then he went for a, a, a random health check and you know, brilliant doctor caught the fact that his carotid arteries were 90% blocked um, and that he needed to immediately go for surgery. And then that just, went, whoa, it just went down a line. And I had another... Um, the vision I knew I could really trust 
in that he passed during that surgery, even though statistically that was not really anything they talked about. I mean, yeah, you have to sign the piece of paper, but it wasn't anything they talked about. And I still didn't tell him, but he, he was extremely intuitive himself. And he's like, what is going on with you? And again, you don't necessarily want to share that with someone else, uh, but he knew me so well and it was getting in the middle of our relationship. And I said that, and he said, hon, I'm not going anywhere. Well, when they led him for the surgery, they took him in, I was sitting in the waiting area and I felt him leave. And I, I felt him take off. And, you know, at the time, of course, before he goes, I said to him, well, there really is a white light. There really is a tunnel. And we talked about this all the time in our house. So I said, you see that you go, you go, go have a good time. I'll catch you next lifetime. This is your contract, your, your choice. Um, of course, I want you here, but you do what you need to do. I was letting him know that if that was his choice, Mm -hmm. um, that he didn't have to worry about me. They, and I would be a hypocrite, right? I, I've been teaching about you know, honoring somebody's contract and, and listening to what is their process and not owning people. I would be a humongous hip, hypocrite if I said to my own husband, you can't do that. So of course, in the waiting area, I'm saying in my head, get back in your body. <laughs> like, I, my understanding is when we really love someone, of course, my, my understanding is that if they are concerned, they might be passing or whatever. Yeah. I feel like the one, most of the time, the person we're concerned about are the ones we're leaving behind. That's what makes us sad, right? The one, yeah. Again, I don't have a, a lot of experience with this yet, but at different times in my life, that's what I think the pull is. It's like, well, I can't leave this person behind, or I don't want to leave this, leave this person behind. So I guess when you said that to him, you go into the light. I mean, that's your way, just knowing you and your tone. That's your yeah. way of being, encur- that's your way of being encouraging. Like, you want to go to the light, go to the light. But then, yeah. like you just said, you were in the waiting room and you were like, I didn't really totally honor yeah. mean that. Like yeah. you're trying to talk to him and be like, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Yeah. The wife in me was like, no, 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 no. Get back in. Um, you know, and that can be the juxtaposition, right? Anybody in, in any profession can have that, you know, that quandary of, yes, I believe this to the depth of my soul, but that was also my husband. You know, so, um, so he, they did in fact, uh, lose him on the table and had to, he had a reaction to the blood pressure medicine and they had to work really hard to get him back uh, because no one told me about it but I asked this surgeon I said what was that whole crashing thing and leaving his body and the surgeon got mad because he thought a nurse told me and I said well nobody told me I just know what was it and he just looked at me like lady <laughs> maybe he didn't have the bandwidth for that at the moment but um, or the, quite the understanding. He was a wonderful, wonderful guy. Uh, but, you know, he's in the middle of surgery. So he doesn't want to hear this stuff. And I said, I just know he left his body. How did you get him back? And he said, well, he had a reaction to the blood pressure medicine and he bottomed out. And we just had to work really hard to get him back. Um, and, you know, so, and then he was here for three more years. And then I had to decide, was I going to live within that space of, and this was the shift that you asked about, was I going to live in that space of being so focused on when is he leaving or was I going to appreciate whatever time we had? You know, so, and, and it's still, you know, it, it still wasn't all 
rainbows and unicorn hearts. It was still a marriage with some challenges. And yet we grew a lot during that time. And then the big shift was I had been doing a lot of mediumship readings and and everything during that time. I'm I'm good at it. It doesn't necessarily interest me um, because I firmly believe those who have crossed have more important things to do than to check on us. But uh, he, as he was leaving, he's on hospice and he's leaving. I I said to him, uh, hey, can I use this as a reason to step out of mediumship? Because who's going to question the fact that it hurts too much to you know, do these readings when they've just, quote unquote, lost their husband. I know where he is. He's not lost. Because my interest was in helping people be here without their trauma, be here and truly enjoy this living life and to tap into their intuition and to feel whole. And the, the mediumship was getting in the way of that. So, and then as it turned out, it was way too difficult. I came back and I did do some readings. It was just too hard. It was, I had to grieve. I had to go through my process. And that's still in process for almost five years later. So that was the shift to, well, Vic, what do you really want to do? How do you really want to help people? Um, How do you want to use this ability that, for whatever reason you've been given um, and developed. I do put a lot of effort into it. Um, and, and what do you want your uh, participation in this life to be? And I was much more interested in the grounded, in the human element of it. And I really want people to know that there isn't anything special about me. I just listen to my intuition. And everybody can listen or hear, see, feel, process. We all do it a different way. Um, So that led me to, I actually said intuition is your first sense for probably the last seven or eight years. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, I don't think people know that. (laughs) I don't think they realize that. So let me bring that forth and help. And now I do a lot of teaching with that in in a fun way. I, I really believe that the energy of we can be reverent, we, we must be reverent in our lives, but it can be a heck of a lot of fun too, and that helps to be silly. So that was a, a big shift for me because not only was it affirmed that what I was feeling all those years, I really had to do my work to stay present and it's not even bail on the relationship. I could have bailed on any learning that we still had to do, but I was determined anything we had to do, I was getting in before um, he, he crossed. And we did, we did well. We did well. So, That's really something. Yeah. And so what's interesting to me about that is that I can imagine, and it's what you've just said, that when people knew that you could be a medium, then that was a lot of the stuff they were asking you is mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you say. That was a big part of your work, even though even at that time when people are, were wanting you to talk to people who had passed, mm-hmm. that you were also still coaching and you were also still affirming them. You were using those readings, you know, to, yeah. to be affirming anyway, but that it wasn't really how you wanted to be spending your time. And so it took this big shift to help you shift the things that you were doing in your life. And I think that's so one of the relatable things I think 
for me and potentially for other people is that when someone passes in our life or there's a big shift in our life, but in this case, someone passes that how can we use something that's hard? Because like you said, he was your husband. It wasn't, it's not that it's easy to let someone go. Even if a relationship has, from what I hear, I pretty much any marriage I've heard of, and I don't ask people about their marriages too often, but I hear that their work, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I don't think it's just the, the picky marriage there from what I'm hearing. I just, in fact, um, yeah, I just hear that a lot. So anyway, relationships, whether it's a marriage or not, relationships are work. Yeah, they are. And so when something ends, like a relationship ends, and in this case, we're not saying that it ended, we're saying that he passed, but he's not right here with you in the physical mm-hmm. form anymore. What I'm interested in asking you is how easy was it for you? And do you have any tips on how we turn something like that or how we work with that new reality for us? Because in your physical form, it's a new reality for you. Mm -hmm. How how easy was that for you to move on considering that you can talk to dead people, as the phrase goes? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was this easy for you? What tips could you give for someone else who goes through a loss, whether it's a person dies or a relationship just ends, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is has some sad parts to it. Even if you wanted, not you, but even if someone wanted the relationship to end, there's a sadness, there's a mourning. Can you speak to that a little bit for us? Absolutely. It was not easy. Um, There is a perception out there that it's easy, but that mostly was easy for me, mostly because I didn't always share what I called the widow's wail um, when you're on the floor bawling so hard that, because he was my best friend. I mean, we were friends. We annoyed each other and we loved each other. Kept me upright was my commitment that not only to myself and my my family and to but to my clients as well because I felt like I'm going to show people that we can love someone we can hurt to the depth of what feels like our soul and we can still have an amazing life so I felt like I had to walk the walk And because it's really important to me to not be that hypocrite Um, and to, I had my own challenges ebb and flow. I got therapy, uh, found a wonderful therapist. Um, I don't have any special answers simply because, you know, I don't get a free pass on her simply because I understand this stuff. Um, I use as many tissues as everyone else. Just this last week, yesterday was his birthday, Um, would have been his birthday. And just this last week, it, it walloped me in the head and it hadn't for a long time because I truly honor this. So, and I have actually said to clients, you know what? I think sometimes going through a breakup or a divorce is harder than someone passing. I can't make him come back physically. You know, even if I had that ability, I can't do that. When you go through a divorce or a breakup or anything like that, person's still walking around on the planet. You know, so I think that's deep digging. <laughs> you know, I think there's some pretty powerful work being done there. I don't have to worry about him being out there with somebody else or getting, you know, in this electronic age, posting something on one of the social medias. So my tip is always to honor your own self and recognize everyone comes into this lifetime to do their own journey alone. Most people don't want to admit that. They don't want to face up to that. And we're, we're blessed to have our connections in our lives. 
but you're still entering as a soul on your own and you're exiting as a soul on your own, even if there are physical beings there. Um, well, you'll have the spirit world helping you when you come in and when you exit. But you know, often I see in relationships where uh, one partner, both partners want to kind of enmesh themselves in each other. So, you know, statements like he made me so mad, not possible, my friend. <laughs> you allowed yourself to be mad. Perhaps there's behaviors that need to be looked at, but you allowed yourself to be mad. And so that's going off on a whole nother level. But to be so aware that you are this amazing being with all of these, this glitter <laughs> within you um, as a soul. And that metaphor like, was meant for me. It was. And, and, and it is because I don't usually describe it that way. So, uh, <laughs> but I trust, and it's a good visual, right? That I truly believe that when we are connected with ourselves and we are believing in ourselves, that that goes out exponentially. Yes, there are going to be some people with super fat heads that can't fit through the door, but most of us are going to be okay. And then that goes out and it helps to bring healing and peace and then humor and everything. So I think uh, one of the focuses I use in my coaching, if people want to talk about the other people in their life, but I'll say, hold on, hold on. What's going on in you? We're talking about you. This is your coaching session. What's happening here? Because responsibility, accountability can be scary, but it's so powerful. If you truly want to learn about yourself, you will look at the person who's um, supposedly poking you um, and creating issues and say, ha, 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 okay, where am I holding that? Because I love the expression of three to one ratio. So when someone's pointing at another person, there's three fingers pointing back at them. My father used to tell me that all the time. He would say, right. making a pointing finger, three fingers are pointing back at you. He loved to say that metaphor. He thought it was such a great one. It is a great one. And it helps, you know, if somebody wants to truly understand themselves and not to dump and run. Um, because I like that dump and run. That was totally, I, I have had a couple dump and runs recent. Like I had a little, I, you and I can talk about that another time, but mm -hmm. um, I had a couple dump and runs and I was just like, it just hadn't happened before in my life. And I had two for totally different reasons. It was so uh, great learnings for me too. Well, and I love the fact that you said I wasn't hurt emotionally. I was more perplexed. And, and then you still looked at it and said, well, wait a minute, other people don't seem to have this response. So that's taken into consideration some data, right? <laughs> um, the, the whole feedback loop, that thing's important to be able to say, is this happening in other areas? Um, what's my, I, always, I always say, what's my part in this? And how can I understand the other person's part? I'm not willing to take on the other person's stuff because that doesn't help them either. You know, people say they push my buttons. Well, if you don't have buttons, people can't push them. Look at your dang buttons. And it's, it's, I love a good treasure hunt. So if somebody brings something to me that I'm saying or doing, or, you know, they're, they're accusing me of something because that also happened to me recently where they were accusing me of something that I even asked other people in my life, you know, my friends, my partner. And so I was like, can I ask you, is it, does this seem true of me? And like, I don't know who you're talking to, but that person's delusional. 
And I'm like, okay, okay. And even though we have different relationships with everybody, different levels of relationship with people, um, I think the most empowering place to be is to be whomever you are, wherever you are. And, you know, it may not be the kindest expression, but sometimes people are emotionally lazy. They, they want the other person to do all the work for them. And that's just not feasible for long-term relationship. So, you know, when somebody exits stage left in my life, I usually, I, I do wish them well, but then I'm like, all right, that freed up some space. <laughs> it's true. I can't think of one where I wish harm on that person at all. I wish them, and I'm not just saying this, I, I literally want them to find so much happiness and I, and I, I want that for them. And, and I'm sure that, and I, I mean, this might be the optimism in me, optimistic person in me, but I'm, I'm sure that they will hopefully find it, you know, that that will, or they already have it and that's mm -hmm. fine. And so I guess why I'm bringing this up and to maybe circle back to this whole intuition, your first sense is in relationships with friendships and with romantic partners and any kind of relationship at all, I am learning how powerful believing our intuition also in those friendships could be just mm -hmm. to take this in another path. There's so much intuition that's actually going on between us that occasionally the words, and this doesn't happen often, but occasionally the words maybe get tripped up. But if, if people would just realize, wait a second, we actually are on the same page we actually are intu intuitively, we're, we're in the same, we're going in the same direction. I guess what I'm trying to say here, sometimes I'm thinking people are looking at the words too much and putting their own stories on the words too much. When really, if they tried to trust the situation a little more and, and trust their intuition and what's really happening between us or between the work environment, um, maybe we'd have a better time. So does that resonate with you? Do I sound like I'm making sense? What would you say about that? Well, there's a, a challenge in merging the intuitive sense with our cognitive function because there are those buttons. People have buttons. And I've, <laughs> I, I like to practice, if it's an email, I might even take a half a day response. If I'm talking to someone, there'll be a pause of at least 10 seconds if I have a conflict between what I'm feeling and what I'm hearing. So what you're saying is if you see an email come through to you, let's say it's work-related, and the email itself makes you feel a certain way, but your intuition is telling you something else, then you take a pause. Is that what you're saying? I would take a pause if it makes you feel anything but excited to return the email. Now, here's the other thing. Intuitive and psychic energy travels through technology. So the hit that you may get in opening up an email may be what that person was feeling when they sent it. And it may not even freaking be related to you. You know, they may have their phone going off because their kid is sick at, at school or, you know, they had a fight with their partner or something, but they have to get the work done. And I think... We just make too much about ourselves. And we get, even though I want everybody to be tapped into themselves, we've got to stop thinking the whole world revolves around us. 
and that this other person must think that or feel that, you know, kind of like the person who dumped and ran. So I think anything but a, oh, hey, an email came in from Heidi. Let me respond to that. Should be a, okay, let me feel this um, out. And I know you can't stop and feel everything all day long. I'm not (laughs) suggesting that. I run a very busy business. I know that sometimes you have to get back to someone. What I'm saying is if there's any response that isn't, oh, an email, then you have to look at that. Um, Because then it's going to shift the energy in which you reply. So you basically stop the, the tennis match of cranky energy being passed back and forth. And I think it's also important to take into consideration what else is going on in our lives. I think it's a lot to take care of. That's why I really like to teach the fundamentals of it and to make it easy and to incorporate it into our daily practices. Well, it sounds like, I guess, you know, thinking about if there's, if there's one tip that you could give me, that you could give other people, one tip to start listening to what you're saying. And so in going from being a skeptic, let's say, or even partially skeptical to just seeing what may or may not be true for a person, for me, it sounds like part of it has to do with allowing, which is just a space of receiving. It's not a efforting. It's not a reaching out for. It's a it's an allowing. It, do you have, is, is that a tip? Do you have a couple other tips maybe in conclusion just to let us know how can we see if this feels true for us? Will you pay attention? Um, that's the biggest thing. And also, a lot of people think intuition is going to be this big announcement, you know, the band that runs through the room. <laughs> and it's like, uh-uh, it's so subtle. It's so stinking subtle. So you have to, you said a good phrase, see how we feel about that, right? Well, right there, you just combine two intuitive abilities, clairvoyance and clairsentient. So use any of them. (laughs) I would ask, I would suggest that people start by paying attention to their day. Um, like pay attention to how you feel. If you're the one in the meeting and you're not doing the talking and you don't have to give a report in the next five minutes or so, so that you need to keep that consciousness there, feel how you feel towards a person. Like feel if you can tell there's energy there. Um, some of the simplest things bring it back to your day. Do you like broccoli or are you just eating broccoli because somebody told you to eat broccoli? You know, that stuff will strengthen the intuitive ability. You don't jump to card readings and weekend mediumship. Don't get me started on those things. But um, you don't jump to that. You start with, what do I already have on board? What are my skill sets? Um, What do I already know I know about another, um, about how I perceive energy? If you're someone who needs to read information and, and to take it in that way, well, most likely you have a, um, uh, a clairsentient, like you need to be in stuff. Um, a little clairvoyance could come in there too. So you just pay attention to what you already know. And I like to have people then keep track of that. When you 
before you pick up your phone, unless it's got a special ringtone, so you already know who it is, <laughs> um, before you pick up your phone, who do you feel it is? Like, and, and just how much is this bill going to be at the cash register? If you get two numbers out of the whole thing, you celebrate that. And um, this stuff is not out there. <laughs> it's already within us but it takes paying attention to. And I think that's by design. I really do. We have to build on this. We have to work at this. And, and I think look to your relationships. If people say to you that I always feel so calm around you, well, that's part of your intuitive ability. And it, you just have to be willing to be a reporter. It ask, you know, who, what, where, when, why, and how. And, um, and to trust it, that gut it's our first psychic sense. That's why they say trust your gut. You know that that power center is where the gut, where the information comes in first. So, if you start listening to those nudges, <laughs> you know that's actually how it started for me. I I didn't know I was tapping in, and someone in the office I worked in was cataloging every time I said I had a headache. The boss changed the business. And every time I had said I had a stomach ache, somebody got fired. And I thought when they brought that to me, I'm like, oh, I whine. Oh, I complain. Like that's immediately where I went because I might have said in passing, oh, my head hurts. Not, oh, it's me kind of thing. But they were keeping track like the criminal, you know, the, like the person in jail who's got four and then the slide, the slash. Um, and I'm grateful to that because it made me start going, what? going on here like do I pick up more than I than I am conscious of so it's already there it's that's so long-winded answer <laughs> but I it's so important because it's a topic like I said some we could all use some more I think we could all use more time spent being curious about our intuition and giving it some time and some just awareness so I love those those simple tips. And so then I wonder how, how can people get in touch with you or learn, learn more about you or just hear more if they're interested because you have so much to offer and you have a lot of resources. So what's, what's the best way for them to get more in touch with you? The best way is the website, VickiBaird.com. And that's V-I-C-K-I.com. The podcast intuition, your first sense um, is there's, 48 episodes there now. Uh, it's getting ready to close up on season two. Um, info at Vicki Baird will get you to me, uh, dot com. At Coach Vicki Baird on everything. Um, <laughs> and I'm the one answering. You know, it's not an assistant or anything. So give me some time. Uh, because there's a lot of ways people can get in touch with you nowadays. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, available for classes and the one-on-one -on -one coaching. I love going into corporate settings and teaching exactly this. We're already using it. We're just not naming it. I'm so, so grateful that you are on this podcast and I can't wait for everyone to get to hear this and then follow you in other ways so that they can continue to understand and learn more about their first sense. Yeah. And then to have you on my podcast so that others can learn what you're doing um, and, you know, the trajectory. I'm interested. I know it, but I'm interested in sharing 
the um, I always love how eclectic you are in your work because I think that leads to joy as well. So um, bring that one on over to the intuition. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank You're you. Welcome. I really appreciate it.